welcome to Come Alive, the Living Spiritfully Guide to Thriving, where we explore the 12 permaculture principles as accessible ways to living a joyful life. We're your hosts. I'm Catherine Stilo. And I'm Paul Galoro. And today we're exploring design principle number six, produce no waste. I am super excited about this week, Catherine, because... Um... I don't know. I just feel like this principle is going to be like loaded with fun. So I can't wait to dive in. Before we do that, though, let's have a little homework check-in. Ah, homework. Homework. Last time we talked about using value renewables. What did you get up to in this time? I played with our perennial vegetables, something that I don't even think we touched on last episode. It is a renewable. We have uh, sorrel, which is a, a leafy green vegetable that comes up every year. It's a perennial. It, its roots are established. It just comes up in the spring and our Egyptian walking onions. So already- Wait, well, hold on. Sorry. Can I interrupt? Walking onion? Like, does it actually walk? <laughs> yes, it does. It does. You know, in Lord of the Rings with the trees and the walking? It, it, no. Okay. <laughs> what I think of is walk like an Egyptian- Yes. The bangles. <laughs> Walk like an Egyptian onion. Yeah. It, so what happens with the Egyptian walking onion is it flowers and then has the seeds and the seeds then drop. But the way when the stalk bends over, if it, <laughs> I'm doing it with my arm, when the stalk bends over, it drops the seeds in the earth and then those seeds get planted. So they've kind of walked over and then it grows and then they've walked over and yeah, so How really- ex- That is so exciting. Yeah, yeah. I want to grow some. Oh, <laughs> oh. So the reason that these are renewables is that we planted these once, probably three years ago, and every year they come back. We don't do anything. In fact, I, I this year I was actually like, oh, right. <laughs> there, there's the walking onions, there's the sorrel. And so it's a, it's a renewable because we made an effort- three years ago, and we keep getting the benefit of that. So what I'll do is I'll include some pictures in the Living Spiritfully Collective Facebook group to show what these look like and for further exploration. And another one that I thought of is our mushroom logs had a flush. So this is a renewable because again, five years ago, we inoculated some mushroom logs with shiitake spawn. And yes, it took time and effort then to do it. And we enjoy the fruits. It's a renewable. It keeps coming back every year. We didn't have to do anything except make sure those logs were kept moist. So yeah, kind of, kind of some tangent, fun, abstract reuse and value renewables. I am so like, I just, I love this idea because what I'm seeing is that, okay, yes, you put, you invested that time, you know, five years ago with the the mushroom logs but then every year since, it's it's almost like I'm thinking business terms now for a second. Your return on investment is like the most. You can't get that anywhere. Do you get what I'm saying? Like I, that is just so amazing to me. Absolutely. I love, I love that return ah. on investment thought. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you? First of all, did you feel my tree hug? Oh my God, it rippled through the mycelium. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for everyone listening last time Catherine and I spoke 
um, we said we were going to go out into nature. And I said, I'm going to hug a tree and send and ask the tree to send the energy down through the root system all the way to where, and Catherine and I live like an hour away from each other, just to put it into context. So that's why I was asking if you felt that. I felt it. Oh, I love that. So my, my own work, I went out into nature. Your suggestion uh, that you, you told me once about lying face down naked on the earth. As much as I wanted to do that, uh, there was other people hiking around, so I didn't. However, I did notice when I was in different areas. So there's like one area that the trees are a little bit like further apart from each other and there's more like shrubs and bushes and stuff. I felt had a different physical experience in there than when I was like in a deeper, denser part where the trees were higher and the sun was like shaded by, by the leaves and everything. So it was really cool to to just experience. And then there's another place that is just like an open field. And, and being in those different spaces and feeling the different energy was pretty cool. That is some powerful use of renewables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it was it was super fun. I really enjoyed that. And I'm really excited about produce no waste because I feel like produce no waste and use and value renewables, just as all of the principles work really well together. I feel like these two are almost like besties. So I know you have a story to illustrate today's principle of produce no waste. Let's hear it. There are many versions of this story. It's a kind of a popular story. Many people may have heard this one. This story is about twins around the age of five or six. And the parents noticed that the twins had developed opposite personalities. One twin was a total pessimist while the other was a total optimist. So the parents took the twins to a psychologist. The psychologist challenged the pessimist and took the twin into a room filled with brand new toys and said, play with whatever you like. After an hour, the child was sitting in the room so unhappy. The psychologist said, what's making you so unhappy? And the twin responded that with so many toys, it was too hard to decide which one to play with first. The optimistic child was taken to a barn filled with horse manure. And the child walked in, smiled, picked up a nearby shovel, climbed to the top of the pile, began digging and tossing the manure around gleefully. The psychologist asked, what are you doing? And the optimistic twin said gleefully, with this much poop around, there must be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> oh my God, that is such a cute story. I love it. And I can't, I just, I can't wait to talk about it. Let's talk about the permaculture principle of produce no waste. What does produce no waste mean? If we look to Bill Mollison, who is the father of permaculture, Bill Mollison defined waste as any output of a system that isn't being used productively by another component of the system. For example, he talked about a plague of snails in the garden not being a plague of snails, but being a deficiency of ducks. So the idea is that any excesses in the system would be a pollutant if they aren't put to use within the system. Many of us probably have heard reduce, reuse, recycle. That This principle goes beyond reduce, reuse, recycle. It asks us and challenges us to change our view of waste, to change our view of waste as something that's unfruitful to seeing waste as a resource or an opportunity. Mm. What you said there about changing our view on waste, 
Oh, this excites me. So what does this principle look like in action? In action, we can apply this principle to the way that we design our systems. What we're aiming for is the ideal of designing a system that makes use of all the outputs. The outputs of one element are the inputs of another element within the system. So this is the idea of self-contained or closed loop system. We need to start with an inventory. What inputs do we need in the system? What outputs are we gonna have in the system? And then make the connection so that everything is tied together. Okay, so let me, I just, I'm, I'm visualizing everything as you're saying this. So let's say uh, an output for a tree, let's say, not, not like fruit trees, yes, but then also just regular everyday trees. Because, <laughs> you know, not every tree is regular and every day. Uh, but a regular tree, like a maple tree, the leaves fall and that's the output. But then the leaves become an input to the soil because when they break down the soil then takes the nutrients from that. So output equals output of one equals input for another. And so we just want to continue doing that throughout. Beautifully illustrated. Awesome. We look to nature to design the system. And of course, we're never going to be perfect. We just do the best we can. We mm -hmm. get as close to that ideal of nature design as possible. Cool. That brings us to another element of waste. Poop. <laughs> There's got to be a pony here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Poop, waste has to be part of this loop. And our outputs, urine, feces, are actually fertilizers and, and ways of fertilizing. Urine is a fertilizer, lots of nitrogen in it. Of course, you have to dilute it. Don't put it directly on, on things. And feces correctly composted will feed plants. Um, there is a handbook called the Humanure Handbook. I don't make this stuff up, which <laughs> talks about incorporating our, the waste that we produce into our own system. Okay. Um, I'm going to need some time for that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm there yet. Actually, well, okay, I'm, I'm going to start going into outer space. That would, if, if I was, I'm pretty sure if I was using my poop to fertilize my garden, I would be that much more likely to eat healthy because I know if I poop out a Twix bar, I don't want that to then fuel my tomatoes. Do you know what I mean? I totally know <laughs> what you mean. This is, this is the harmonious connection that comes with the permaculture design. Permaculture is that system of holistic design, thinking of how everything affects everything else because everything affects everything. And we think of the systems that we've designed for this poop. And yes, yes, this does, as to your point, it takes some time to get our head around this because it is not the conventional way of thinking. It's not the way that we've done things. And it has this squeamishness to it if it's not properly understood. Maybe we don't immediately get there to composting our own poop. It's it's a it's an idea to get us thinking differently. And I, and I actually I have a, a I have a couple examples. So Earthships, mm. let me go back to Earthships. Mike Reynolds, these these houses are designed to be as much of a self-contained unit as possible. Earthship does treat its own waste. It uses gray water to water the planters, to 
go into the toilets to be the water that the toilet is flushed with because we don't need fresh water to be flushing a toilet. So it's recycling this water. And then the water then goes out into a black water system, evapotranspiration bed that can be a fertile bed for growing. So that's, that's one example of how this could possibly come to life in a very non-squeamish, I'm not I'm not getting it's all, it's set up. I'm not getting my hands dirty in any way there. Mm-hmm. It might be a little bit, but um, in the building of the house, right. not, not in the dealing with what comes out. Wow. Okay. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just taking it all in and then seeing what happens. Maybe, maybe that one was a bit of an abstract or, or far out idea to start with. So <laughs> let's, let's take it, to, <laughs> let's take it back a little bit. Right. Um, another element of system design, when we're talking from a permaculture perspective and produce no waste, is this idea of zones and sectors and designing a system in zones and sectors. And this idea outlines areas of our property in terms of the, the amount of time we spend in those sectors. So example, zone zero, zero would be us, person, Catherine, Paul. Okay. Zone zero would be the house we're living in because we spend a lot of time in the house. So it's concentric rings out from ourselves in terms of usage. Zone one is the area just around the house, zone two farther out, all the way to zone five, which is our wild area, the forest that we visit not very often. The closer we are to zero, zero is the things that we're doing daily, multiple times a day, once a day, and then going out from there. It's to reduce the time and effort. So example here that we found when we moved in, our gardens were quite far out. I would I would describe them as being almost in a zone four, oh. the, the raised bed gardens. And not that it's that far, but it's just the idea of if I'm going to my kitchen garden and I have to walk 500 feet to get to my kitchen garden, that's something that I'm doing daily. Also, our chicken coop was and still is back there. So it's not ideal design. I have to go there multiple times a day to check on what's going on. So it would be more ideal that these are closer to the house where I can just easily not waste time, Mm. produce no waste of time and effort by having them close by for those things that I'm doing more often. Mm. You know, I can't wait for the second segment because already I am thinking about all of these things in my life and we'll dissect Um, a little bit later, but keep going. I'm like hanging on every word you're saying. Let's talk about consumption Mm. and conscious consumption. So produce no waste is let's move towards zero waste. And it starts with examining what we throw out. And when we throw something out, let's, let's look at it and ask ourselves, can we eliminate that? Can we reduce the amount we're using that? Can we buy wisely? Here in the house, we've got ourselves down to one small bag. So like a shopping bag full of garbage each week and a few recyclables. Wow. And that's, that's simply by, by looking at what, what we're using and, 
and reducing the things that we're buying that are in packaging and moving toward more, more whole foods, foods that, that resemble food, mm-hmm. fruits, vegetables, because they're already in their own compostable package. Mm-hmm peels, skins, things like that. Can we just talk about why do we have to have English cucumbers wrapped in plastic? I'm talking about for people in the grocery stores, obviously we're not growing stuff wrapped in plastic, but there's so many unnecessary plastics on foods that already contain their own packaging. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and I love, and, and that brings to the point of like farmer's market Mm -hmm. because because I imagine that the reason that those cucumbers have the plastic on them is some method of shipping or so- something in the shipping, it needs to be protected. If we start buying local, buying from our local farmers, farmers markets, those don't have much packaging usually right. associated with them. So, so it's making, making that shift. And, and Paul, you talk about this with, um, what you do with your kitchen scraps. Mm, yeah. So um, I've mentioned this before, I'm sure. Any sort of like ends, p- potato peels, garlic ends, everything, I keep it in a bag in my freezer. And then when the bag is full, I just throw it in a pot. I boil it up for a couple of hours, add some spices. Boom. I've got instant vegetable broth that I then put in the freezer and I have all the time. And then what I do is I take all of that stuff, that boiled stuff, and I throw it in the compost. And you've produced no waste. Mm -hmm. You've used all of those beautiful kitchen scraps, taken every bit of nourishment, every nutrient you can out of them by making stock, which then nourishes your body. And then whatever's left goes into the compost and then feeds the earth, feeds the microbes in the soil, feeds you again Mm -hmm. when you grow Mm -hmm. food. Yeah. I love it. What a great self-contained system. Mm -hmm. It's con- conscious consumption and, and look and looking at it. And again, we're, we always stress this, that we're, we're not saying that everybody can do this because we all have our own, own situations and, and we have to make our life work for us. It's just opening ourselves to these ideas and then thinking where, where in my life can I apply this? Where in my life can I look at things differently in this way. So, so we've got two places we can go here with chickens and plastics. So let's, let's tangent to chickens. This is a U.S. statistic. We can, we can take that for what it's worth. It still illustrates approximately 300 pounds of food per person per year is thrown away into landfills. When that food goes into landfills, it creates methane which is a greenhouse gas. Austin, Texas did a zero waste program with the goal to reduce the amount of food scraps entering the landfills by redirecting it into backyard chickens. And this was actually studied by someone for their their thesis. Four backyard chickens consume approximately 332 pounds, 333 pounds of household food scraps a year, about as much as the average food wasted by each person. So if we think about backyard chickens, and again, I know not everybody can have them, but what if, what if several of us had backyard chickens that could then compost these food scraps Mm -hmm. and then, and then out of those scraps comes eggs, 
maybe the question says, yeah, but what about their waste? Well, properly composted chicken manure is very desirable manure due to its high nutrient level. Mm. It's got nitrogen. It's got a good amount of potassium and phosphorus. So properly composted, that then becomes the fuel for our soil. We're feeding the soil. And as we've talked about, we're, we're not growing plants. We're growing that soil. So here we go. The unwanted food fed to the backyard chickens creates fresh eggs, a great source of protein and built-in pest control, built-in weeding. If anybody watched the Joel Salatin Polyface Farms videos on YouTube and the, the chickens are eating these bugs, they're eating the seeds, and then they're giving us this beautiful nutrient-rich manure to build our soil and start this system all over again. Okay, random question. I've, I don't think I've ever actually seen chicken poop. Does it look like bird poop or does it look like goose poop? Uh, more, I go. <laughs> These are the things I think of, Catherine. I love, I love it. Things that make you say, hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it looks like, I'm trying to think what bird poop looks like. Like, you know, um, when it's like white and splashy, just think of what lands on your car. Oh yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, it's more toward the goose poop. Okay. It's more, it's more in that. Like formed. That. It's, it's yeah. Most, of, <laughs> most of the time formed. We have to put a disclaimer on this episode that we're going to be talking about poop because my friends know I love, I talk about my bowel movements all the time, but some people are very uncomfortable about it, but I feel like make poop part of the loop, <laughs> make poop part of our conversation. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's rethinking. And, and I, I mean, I, I hope that that our listeners are are listening to this and 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 listening with an open mind and just saying okay maybe maybe these are the extremes and I can't go there but what's the next little thing that I can do to get myself toward this idea Well I think yeah. actually um there's one we, we I mentioned bottled water a minute ago or plastics um that's one huge thing that we can do from starting. Like if you can't have backyard chickens, if you're not ready to like scoop your poop and, and put it part of the loop, this is like, come on, single use plastics. This is something that we as individuals can do. For me, this would be like a small change in people's lives and it can make a huge difference. I think that we have to stop kidding ourselves about plastics recycling. I think the idea is out there that, oh, well, it, it just gets recycled. So it's okay for me to do this. So we've bought into this idea that plastics are recycled. When we take the holistic view, the, the permaculture view of how everything affects everything, we have to think about this. That bottle had to get made, which took resources which probably involved fossil fuels. It got made, it got bottled, it got delivered, it got sold, it got used, it got thrown into the recycle bin. Somebody needs to pick it up. Somebody needs to sort through it. It needs to get melted down. These are all things that are expensive and, and take resources to do. So we're, we're already producing waste in that system. There's also the fact that new plastic is cheap. So it's less expensive to start fresh than it is to reuse and recycle that old plastic. Here's the other thing. Plastic degrades 
each time it's reused. So it can happen once, it can happen twice. There's a stat that less than 9% of plastic has ever been recycled. That's crazy. So the rest is ending up in landfills, it's ending up at the sides of rivers, and it, it never breaks down. It never breaks down. Plastic turns into these little pieces, these little beads that get into the food system. Mm-hmm. There, um, I've seen pictures of this, that, that plastic island that's floating in the middle of the ocean yep. and, and how it's like killing basically all of the sea life. There's staggering stats that, mm-hmm. that, that explain why there's this plastic island. These are from 2017. It's, it's still, it still illustrates the point. One million plastic water bottles bought per minute. So we talk about that plastic island these, these bottles are going somewhere mm-hmm. and they're not always recycled. Yeah, actually, you know what? You told me about um, these amazing water filters that have been out of stock ever. Like I have a, a, a little filter that comes out of my fridge. So I'm filtering water. I'm cool with it. I'm filling up my mason jars at home. I'm filling up my, my canteens when I go out. Um, but you told me about some other ones that do some like great things that filter out so many impurities. This is... And to your point with your filtration, there are so many other options instead of single-use bottles, so many other options for filtration. There are a few that come to mind. Alexa Pure is one brand. Santavia is another brand. And Berkey is another brand. These are ones that we've researched um, that we use ourselves. And do your research at home, find which one is best for you, for your needs, the size that you need, the the different options that you need. These filters filter out lots of lots of components, including some of them filter out glyphosate, which we've talked about being in the water from the way that we have our conventional agriculture system. It's used in conventional agriculture, sprayed in conventional agriculture, it's getting into our water system. And then if it's not filtered out, that's going into our body. So, so not only do these filtration systems reduce the amount of plastics in the system, they also help purify the water so that what's going into our bodies is also not producing waste that we then have to get rid of. There, it came, another thing came to mind. There's also an episode of Down to Earth. Oh, yes. Okay. You told me about this show starring Zac Efron. What a babe. 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 <laughs> so in this episode, uh, Zach goes to France and Paris, France has implemented a clean drinking water initiative in France, in Paris, France, it's possible to fill up at over 800 fountains and, and they even have sparkling water fountains. And this is for free. This has been taken on by the the municipality. They have implemented this system and it's, it's available for use, eliminated the need for any single use bottled water. Everybody has their own container. That is amazing. Can you imagine if we did that here? Can you imagine if that was everywhere? I feel optimistic when I hear these stories about things that are that are being done, that are steps in the right direction. I, I actually had a personal experience. It was in the Palm Springs airport last year and there was a water station. Mm. 
and there is a counter on the the station that tells how many plastic water bottles were saved with with each fill. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen those in airports, and actually, um, recently I started to see them pop up in other places too. Like the gym that I was going to had one, and that the number is just astounding when you mm-hmm. see like because you know I, I I drink water um, a lot, so I have a bigger canteen. I fill it, and I I watch that number go like three, four, five, six, like that's how many numbers it increases until I fill it up. And it's just, it's, it's wild. I cannot even imagine. Like, I don't remember back when, I can't remember how long it's been since I've stopped drinking bottled water, but I can't even imagine what that would look like in recycling boxes. And that, well, I've seen what it looks like in the dump, but that's a whole other thing. But it's just, actually that's like for people, if you want to understand produce no waste, go to a garbage dump and just see all the waste. I, I found it heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's, let's not sit here in heartbreak. Let's actually <laughs> talk about some like inspired action that we can do. Like, where can we go from here? From here, let's look at just lifestyle changes, uh, looking at our patterns and usage. So if we talk about our time and effort, small example, when we wash our dishes, the cupboard where we store the dishes is that close by to where we're washing if it's a if it's a sink are we is the cupboard close by to the sink if it's mm. the dishwasher is the cupboard close by to the dishwasher and having it right there so you don't have to take steps it goes immediately from where they were dried right into the cupboard rather than across the room so simple thing produces no waste produces less waste in time and effort voting with our dollar we think of the power of our purchase decision stop buying, stop buying. If we go back to the bottled water, stop buying single use plastics. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we, we look to governing bodies to lobby for legislation. And I don't want to take away from anybody's efforts who, who is doing that because those are, those are good efforts. We can, we can take it to ourselves to our, to the power of our ourselves, the to power of the individual, we can just stop buying and yeah. stop relying. Like the, this, this idea of convenience, like with the single use plastics, can everyone just go out and buy like a bamboo set of cutlery, carry it in your purse. And if you do go out and you eat something, just use that instead, wrap it back up in the little bag. When you get home, wash it. What does it take you? Do you know what I mean? Can we like, let's just, let's, let's commit to that. Um, let's commit to not, like carry your own grocery bags, get ones that you can wash. And so then when you're done you, or baskets, I love my baskets. They have little hooks on or little handles on them and I carry them. And then actually my own basket, I don't have to take a grocery cart. I put everything in a basket instead of paying five cents for plastic bag. You know what I mean? And, and you can't even do anything with that bag after, at least in Europe, if you buy a plastic bag, they're compostable bags. They're like that green kind of thing. So it'll, it'll biodegrade. Yeah. These, these things that we, we kind of do uh, um, mindlessly without thinking things that have become habits over the years, Mm -hmm. like you say, things that have, that have become convenience. Look at what convenience is doing. What, what are we trading off for that convenience and and make and making these small changes when we do need to buy something look at uh, cradle to grave there are lots and lots of ethical companies that are that are 
explaining how like the cradle to grave life cycle of their products and and just do it you do a little bit of research uh you just made me think of something um and then we'll loop it back to the story you talked about um we talked about compost there is this product um i just saw like i saw vitamix made one and i saw another brand is making one too where you put all of your kitchen scraps turn it on it dehydrates it it crushes it up and then you take that byproduct and use it to fertilize your soil Wow. I had not heard of that. And that is- Food cycler. That's what it's called. Sorry. I just remembered. I I feel inspired. I feel inspired by that because that helps with anybody whose objections are, well, but I I can't have it because it's going to stink up my place or it's going to attract pests. So all of the objections that would be there to why I'm not doing it there's a solution. And, and these objections are, are, are great. I don't want to, I don't want to squash people because I, I want to reframe objections as questions, mm-hmm. but, but what about, but what about, but what about, because it's through asking these questions, but what about, but what about that solutions like food cycler comes up in response to the, but what about questions? Mm-hmm. So, so we, we get to these beautiful places. Now let's loop this all back to the story. I think we can loop it back with one catchphrase. There's got to be a pony in here somewhere. (laughs) I thought you were going to say make poop part of the loop. (laughs) I love it. I love that too. I love that too, because it doesn't have to be poop. It can be, it's just whatever waste, make it part of the loop. Yeah. That's a great catchphrase too. Mm -hmm. Two catchphrases. (laughs) Two catchphrases. So basically it's, it's rethinking waste, looking at, looking at waste differently and seeing it as an opportunity. I love that. Okay. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about how we can apply this principle to our lives. Thrivers, in this episode, we mentioned water filtration systems. We were lucky enough to have a friend introduce us to Yvonne Anderson, founder and CEO of Santavia Water Systems. Yvonne, welcome. Thanks so much. Thank you, Catherine. Great to be here. Yvonne, tell us a little bit about Santavia Water Filtration Systems. Well, Santavia Water Systems does two key things. We take out the bad stuff. That's contaminants like lead and chlorine and a whole bunch of other contaminants but we add back in the good stuff like calcium, magnesium, and trace minerals that your body really, really needs and that we are really short of because both our soil and our water is, it doesn't have this anymore. So we take out the bad, we add back in the good, which actually makes the water taste amazing. And that's the key to Santa Bia Water Systems. Yvonne, this episode is titled Produce No Waste, and we talk about the importance of reducing single-use plastic water bottles. I know your filtration system does that, but you also have some on-the-go products. Can you tell us a little bit about those? On-the-go products are so important because as much as we have our Mina water pitcher, which is great for at home, when you leave to go to the gym, to the yoga studio, which I hope I can do very soon again, we really, really need to make sure we have great water with us. A Santavia water filter stick in your water bottle will add back in that calcium, magnesium, and all the trace minerals. And that's what's so important to us is that we have that good stuff going back in. And I want to make sure everybody 
uses a reusable water bottle and not the single-use plastic water bottles. Amina water pitcher can eliminate almost 3,000 single-use plastic water bottles in a year. Wow. And our gravity water system, which is our larger water system, like 5,800 single-use plastic water bottles in a year. I see parents, this is a great family product, parents sending their kids to school with, with a reused, reused, single-use plastic water bottle. And I don't think they understand how the microplastics are getting into the water, how just buying that flat of water bottles that might have sat in the sun somewhere. And again, it's education. We need to educate people and help them to understand. Nowadays, we're talking in our environment that microplastics may become a more serious problem than, than carbon. Yvonne, I just got to say, I could drink you in. You are just so full of life. And it just, just in this interaction, I feel like you're so in alignment with the principles that we are promoting on the Come Alive podcast. So it's just so refreshing to be here with you today. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Welcome back to Come Alive, the Living Spiritfully Guide to Thriving. We're discussing permaculture principle number six, produce no waste. So Catherine, let's talk about how we can apply this to our lives. Oh, when we look at our bodies and movement, let's talk about unnecessary effort in movement. So we play with this in our yoga practice. What are we recruiting to move? Are we moving from our center or are we incorporating unnecessary effort in this movement, other places in the body that don't need to be involved in this movement? So there's, there's that kind of effort and waste in effort in movement. There's also optimal alignment. When we talk about in teacher training, the bones and muscles, the joints being in alignment so that bones support the body, the muscles are used to move the bones. We look at what are we asking the body to do? How are we asking the body to work? And where can we make it a little bit easier? I, you know, I'm really tying in a lot of things here because, uh, okay, here, here's an example. So I, I do have a lawn at this point and uh, I had to go out last week and rake the lawn. So then my dad could come and help me with, I have to reseed some things because we had grubs last year. But it was just, I was like raking all this stuff. And I'm like, it took me over an hour to do the front and the back. For what? Like, yes, I'm going to have a lovely grass, but all of that effort is, I don't want to say wasted. I don't like this word waste. Because again, we're reframing waste. But all of this effort is put into something that gives me a very little yield. I'd rather put that effort into taking care of food that I'm growing that then I will consume. And so when you talk about bodies and movement, I'm, I, I start to think of all sorts of things, even what you mentioned about where you put in your plates in relation to where you are. Like I think about like my spices are close to my my stove or where I prepare things so that I'm not like walking all over the place. This is looking in our lives, all aspects of our lives, all areas of our lives and asking the question, where am I expending my energy and to what end, to what purpose? Mm -hmm. Thinking about our thoughts, thinking about our words, thinking about gossiping. Mm. Am I keeping 
thoughts, words aligned with my purpose. I mentioned a course that I took, 21st Century Leadership, and one of the tenets in that course is I keep my conversations constructive and aligned with my purpose. I do not gossip. And exploring that and living with that, it's looking at where I have expended energy that I, I would call is, is spin. It doesn't really, mm-hmm. it doesn't really go anywhere. It takes a lot without creating something. Yes. You know, the word efficiency comes into mind for me because efficiency is so important. Because I like, I'm, I'm a busy guy. I like to do many different things. My, I, I want to be efficient in everything that I do so I have energy for the next thing. You know what? I'm all, vulnerability moment. I'm going to bring this up. Like I think of efficiency, but then I always have this voice in the back of my mind that says, yeah, but if you do things in less time, you're lazy or you don't want to do these things or there, I don't know. There's this like, I see, I see, I see some sort of like, there's something that's coming in that's trying to tell me to, but keep doing anyway, because if you are efficient with something, then you're lazy or you're not doing enough or et cetera, et cetera. Do you know what I'm saying? I totally do. There's so much in our programming that becomes conflicting. And if we take it back to, we are all these miraculous gifts. And I think this drive to always be doing is because we are creators, we are creative beings. We will create at all costs. We are, we are wired to create. The question is, where are we directing that energy of creation? Are we doing it consciously? Are we doing it unconsciously? Because, because we are creators, we will be creating. And we, we, it's just a question of where we're directing it. Mm. So conscious creation takes the form of constructive creation, building something, creating something. Unconscious creation takes the form of the shadow. It's destructive. It's going out there and tearing down something that somebody else has done, tearing down systems. So if we're not channeling this energy as the creators that we are, if we're not channeling it constructively, we're going to be it's going to be out there in some form and it, and it may not be the way that we want it. This was another tenant in 21st century leadership called above the line and below the line creation. If that, if that helps above the line is constructive and building and below the line is destructive and tearing down. Mm, interesting. And okay. When you say above the line and below the line, I think of above earth and below earth. So when we put things into the earth, they decompose. But when we, we have things above, well, except, you know, carrots and potatoes and all the other things that grow underground. But you know what I mean? A lot of like uh, breakdown of stuff happens below the, the, the line. And above the line is where, you know, blossoms happen and the trees come out and the plants, et cetera. That's where life is. Um, so destructive things aren't necessarily bad though we want to ask ourselves how is this destruction benefiting the entire system right yeah yep 
Yeah. Oh my we, God. We know, we know from yoga, the cycles of creation, right? When we talk about that creative cycle and there's the birth, there's the sustaining, and then there's the transformation, the transformative stage. They, these all have to happen. It's just, are we doing them consciously or unconsciously? Because unconscious destruction could come in the form of tearing down someone's idea or good idea because we're not channeling our own creative energy in a constructive way. Mm-hmm. Playing small. If we're playing small and not sharing our gifts, mm-hmm. if we're in our smallness, we may take our creative energy and try to tear down somebody else who is playing big. So it's it's not that constructive and destructive are good or bad. It's It's, are we applying them at the right moments? Right. This really makes me think about the importance of treating everything sacred. Do you know what I mean? Like if I, if I treat my relationship with you as something sacred, I'm going to show up in a certain way that I'm going to make sure that it's regenerative, that I'm doing my part to make you come alive, make me come alive. And I don't like the word make, but you know, just, just facilitate the process of coming alive. When I revere life, I'm going to do whatever I can to support your growth and your life and also be mindful of what I need to revere my life and continue my growth. So going back to, you know, it be like life being sacred, how we treat everything, being mindful of the energy in, energy out. What you've touched on is an aspect that I watch you and really feel inspired because you embody this sacredness and this gratitude and this reverence for all life. And, and you've shared with me a lot of your own personal rituals and ceremony. I would call it ceremony mm-hmm. that you do right regularly in, in your day. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for that reflection. I love you and I receive it wholeheartedly. Um, but one of, uh, you know, one of my, one of the simple things that I love to do is bless my food. So I place my hands or maybe around my plate or above my food. And I say, dear God, thank you for this meal and everyone who made it possible to be on my plate. May they be blessed as I am nourished by this meal. And so it's like a, a, a sending out of energy as I'm consuming this, that just everyone like, cause I have to, I also have to revere the life that brought this food to my plate. Yes. I'm the one that went out to generate the resources so I could go buy the food. And then I'm the one that chopped it up and made it and put it, but I didn't bring it to the place where I purchased it. To look at the whole and everyone who has touched that and real, and this is, this is where we are all connected comes to life and taking that pause, taking that moment to look at the food and that appreciation of all of the efforts that have gone into getting that here. I found a big transformation for myself when we started to grow our own food and when it became very apparent of all the efforts that go in, the the level of appreciation that I had exponentially increased. And I started not to I not to want to waste anything because everything took an mm-hmm. effort from somebody to get it mm-hmm. there. And I think also just the way our society and our culture is set up, 
we're so far removed from everything that we consume. Like, yeah, okay, I can easily go and buy a sweet potato in the grocery store, but I don't know where it came from, how, what, what was done in order for that to be there. Do you know what I mean? And also if we're talking about produce no waste, we have to start Mm -hmm. to look at that. Is that, does it make sense that my tomatoes are coming from Mexico when I can easily plant them in zone one, right? That's much closer to me because then it's cutting out all of the fossil fuels used to transport that one tomato to me. It's going to eliminate all of the greenhouse gases, all of that stuff. You know what I mean? And it's going to have more life because it's going to come to me after I picked it off the vine. So it's going to be at the most vibrant. Absolutely. Being removed from the food supply is maybe why sometimes we're so so willing to treat it as waste. We don't value it. We don't value it as much as when we take the time to do that reflection on all the efforts that went into it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You just, I, you know, uh, and I guess that step one is cooking for yourself. When I started cooking for myself, that's when I started to really do these, these, these things of like, I'm going to, I'm going to use up all parts of everything. And then we can even bring this back down into our own personal, when we're so disconnected from the truth of who we are, our passions, the things that light us up, when we're so disconnected, we lose that. And then our energy and our efforts become wasted Mm -hmm. because they're not producing something that is regenerative, Mm -hmm. right? Everything we create is love is a part of ourselves, that food, that artwork, that dance, that movement, that sequence, it's all an expression of love. Yeah, so don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't waste it, use it up, consume it, let it be like, put it to work, let it it do what it's gotta do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We've also often in our own conversations touched on things or circumstances in our life that maybe didn't go as planned. Mm-hmm. And I know our conversations, we've, we've, you know, we've reframed them as, well, don't think of it as a waste. It's always that there's some, there, there's gotta be a pony in here somewhere. Yeah. Even those ventures that didn't turn out like we expected or maybe we don't like how it turned out. It's an opportunity for growth and healing. And you've been very helpful to me in reframing some of these, these types of things and, and taking them to a, wow, that where's the lesson in this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's it, right? Where is the lesson in this? What am I learning from this? How can I utilize this in the best possible way? Where can this fertilize something else? Yes. (gasps) Kitty girl, that's it. Poop has to be part of the loop. <laughs> that's it. Even the experiences that we think are poop, they got to be part of the loop. They got to contribute to our growth in some way, shape, or form. They are fertilizing something else. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that. So that that's that's what we do. We just start by reframing 
There's got to be a pony in here somewhere. There's got to be a pony in here somewhere. I love that. Catherine. Oh my God. Okay. Thrivers. I am like, uh, the neurons are firing. I'm bursting into little like glitter bombs. Please tell me if you're having the same experience that I'm having with this. Um, by by connecting with us, let's let's continue this conversation. Let us know what's going on with you and produce no waste. Um, send us an email, comealivepodcast at gmail.com or comment wherever you're finding this uh, this recording. But Catherine, you know what time it is. I think it might be time for ohm work. L- okay, what kind of fun are we going to get into now? There's so many places we could go. Let's start with the small, slow solutions. For homework, how about thinking about adding more whole foods to our diet? So replacing those packaged processed foods, maybe it's our snack foods, with whole foods, things that look like real food, things that already come in their own compostable packaging, like a peel, like a skin. We can try that. I love. You know what? I really love that idea because, and I'm going to tell you why I love this idea. What you just said makes me get so creative in the kitchen when I'm trying to think, okay, well, how can I use everything that I've got? How can I use a little bit of those leftovers and a little bit of those leftovers and make something brand new? So I'm thrilled about this. And speaking of food, let's, let's, let's really tap into our gratitude practice. Every time that we sip water, every time that we have a conversation with someone, how can we be grateful for everything involved in the process of the having a thing that we are with in that moment, right? So how can we really revere all life involved? I would love if people were willing to share their gratitude prayers or practices. I'd yes. love some, some inspiration. Yes. Oh my God. Can we have a huge gratitude share? Huge gratitude share. Huge gratitude share. Go into the Living Spiritfully Collective Facebook group and be part of the gratitude share. I don't know what that's going to look like, but you'll know when you see it in the Facebook group. And also I'm going to say, because I know some of you are not on the Facebook and that's wonderful. Please reach out to us, comealivepodcast at gmail.com and let us know because like Catherine said, we're looking for some inspiration on gratitude practices and we'd also like to make you part of the loop as well. Not saying that you're poop, but you know what I mean. We're, we're getting everybody involved in this um, little ecosystem that we're, we've created. So check us out in the Living Spiritfully Collective Facebook group. Um, continue the discussion. And again, send us an email because we'd love to hear from you. Paul, this episode has given me so much fertilizer, so much to think about. So I'm going to go into my day with so much gratitude and think of everybody connected. Mm, I love that. And Thrivers, we're so grateful for you. So thank you for being here. And remember, we're meant to thrive. How will you come alive?
Come Alive, The Living Spiritfully Guide to Thriving is a regenerative living production in association with Polarin Studios and The Elementals. Executive producer, Catherine Stilo. Co-producer and sound engineer, Paul Galoro. Inspired by and dedicated to Mother Earth, our bio-intelligence and the spirit that moves through all things. A big thank you and much love to you, our community, for subscribing to and sharing this podcast.